All right. Hey, Alan, we are back again for episode number four of Avoid Crisis. Wow. It's happening fast, isn't it? It it, it sure is. Uh, we are working along with our production company. We're actually getting uh, episodes, you know, recorded and canned, and then our production company is going to get them posted up, you know, with their website, avoidcrisis.com. Uh, and we're going to be on various socials, all that stuff's coming up. So we'll, we'll have probably for the next episode, we'll be able to announce all of that part. Um, we had talked earlier about an overall agenda. We talked about some new activity in the banking industry. We talked about some IRS announcements. And then we talked about some of sharing with our listeners, some of our own, uh, internal marketing and advertising stuff. But before we go any further. I got to start with the elephant in the room. What the heck is that thing around your neck? <laughs> oh, are you talking about this? This? Yeah. This right here? That red thing. That's oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, well, you know, uh, outside of this podcast, which certainly consumes all of our time, I do have other duties and responsibilities. And so today I'm <laughs> working from home, as you would say. Uh, so this is just my working from home uh, attire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you didn't get the memo. I I did not. No, no. I'm wearing a I'm wearing yeah. a sweatshirt, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, from my from my alma mater. Woohoo! Go Huskies! Oh, whoa! How All about right. that? The Huskies. All right. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. that we're still so, in the uh, uh, the NCAA's, the Final Four. I'm I'm looking for the Huskies. I didn't see them. Any. They, come oh, they didn't make it in. They didn't make it in the make yeah. it in the door, man. They no, they're not at the dance. Yeah, well, I'm sure that everyone's got their brackets pretty much all broken by now. So you know, I mean, this oh. is the first year where none of the one number yeah. one seeds came through. Yeah, kind of like some of the banks that we right. thought were number one, they didn't quite make it through. You know what I'm saying? There you go. There you go. That's that, that is absolutely right. Yeah. Well, it's nice to it's nice to see you in your. Uh, Work from home casual attire today. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So yeah. So you so you hit on you hit on banks and uh, uh, some of the stuff that they're going. Let, let's start there then. Um, well, you were, so you were believe, talking too about you were talking about you wanted to like share with our our viewers some of the things too because I mean you know I mean we we're trying to figure out this whole like how do you do a podcast right We're not experts we. We, we're experts right. in other areas, but not in podcasts, right? So, I mean, it takes a lot to, to start to bring something like this together. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the marketing strategy. And we talked about, you know, we need to do things like maybe look at how we generate a, a greater list of uh, viewers and subscribers. And um, I don't know. I checked with the back office today, by the way, right? And you may not know this because I just haven't had a chance to share. But we already have identified that Avoid Crisis is already marginally above zero in its subscriber list. So we are we are looking good. We've got the trend working well. Um, we're looking to add more, obviously. You know, we're gonna have to do things like maybe invite some people here, maybe um, you know, get to some like uh, you know, maybe some kind of media type thing, like maybe some music or something like that. We'll, we'll have to do some things like that, but that's all planned, you know. So oh yeah. Oh yeah, we 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 we've got some music, but let's talk about the invited guest part toward the end. Um, okay, we we can talk about some of the promos we're thinking about for listeners. Do you want to do that now, or do you want to do that more toward the end? 
because we were talking uh, about some, just, you know, I'm looking some ideas agenda. of how to entice. I, yeah, you know, I'm not sure that that's on the agenda. From like, I thought we had a thing. Is you're not, you're not going to. Uh, well, okay, I, I'm, go ahead. Just tell me what you're thinking. Well, I, I think this is a great example that, um, in in prepping for the podcast, we wanted to come across like you know fresh and authentic and 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 real unrehearsed. We, we, well, that that exact that's a kind of exactly my point uh-huh. is that is right. that you and I we talk about general concepts, but we we don't we don't share ahead of time like a script yeah. or we don't really know where exactly the other person's going to come from on a particular topic. But, but you do agree. We have an implied fairness rule, don't we? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're talking about like uh, the, the other part, everybody knows about section two thirty, but you know, there's a whole sections, other 200 sections in section 100 of that sure. act yeah, yeah. that yeah, deal yeah. with fairness and things. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but equal still, time, equal time, so. equal time for equal yeah, time for all yeah, sides. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, all right. So we'll, we'll, we'll save the marketing advert stuff for the end. Basically what we're, what we were talking about is what are we doing to try to help get listeners to get more listeners involved yeah. and, and, and sure. to get them to share the, share the word and build up the, build up the listener audience. So um, let, let's, let's cover that at the end. Let's jump into the fun, some of the fun stuff that we were doing before. And we can, oh, and the music. We had an interesting music piece. Um, you want to start with that? That's kind of fun, actually. Okay. I don't know where you're going, but let's go ahead and start All with right, that. Let's start, let's start with that. Well, so I had someone, as we're talking to people, I had someone drop, uh, drop something on that was pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. I got a, I got a, I'm going to try to share it on the screen. So let me see if I can do this properly. All right. Screen share. Boom. And here and here. And so there you go. So now you can see my screen and we've got this guy going right here. And let me tell me if you can hear this music. All right. Good. No, I'm not. Can you hear it? I'm not hearing the music. No. Oh, I don't know how to make that come in. All right. So then. But. I think I do recognize that. that, uh, That's a famous artist on Spotify, maybe. Exactly, exactly. Let's see here how else we can do. Okay, I think I got a way to do this. Um, Let me take off. You might have to start it over because you're somewhere in the middle of the video. I I will start it over. Okay, here we go. Let me me try. Can you hear this now? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. But all of a sudden it stopped. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, we've got some technical challenges there. Um, but it did look like that was a, a rather famous artist. I don't know if you've licensed that, uh, you know, we have to pay a royalty on it. I'm not sure. But again, we're we're in the early stages of figuring this uh, this all out. We're not exactly professing to be professionals in 
the technical <laughs> merits of how you do a podcast. You know, maybe we should move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll move on. We'll move on. But next time, next time we'll work out that audio. We'll let people hear what uh, is hopefully going to become, become or evolve into our, uh, our music for our podcast. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is that if we actually are able to get that whole thing called the internet and the website all up and running, somebody could actually go back and just see, you know, the progress that we've made. Cause you know, it's, it's about life, right? You make choices. If you're going in the wrong direction, you gotta like, go, okay, we gotta, you know, right. somehow move on to a different path. I mean, you want to avoid crisis. Just think about that. I mean, what, what are the critical things about avoiding crisis? Whatever this crisis is, doesn't it all fit into the same kind of uh, approach? Like a crisis is the end point, but there's a lot of things that happen to get to that end point. What can the listeners really be thinking about just as almost a, a methodology? Yeah, I, I would, I would uh, frame it this way. I would say, you know, a crisis is something that requires urgent action or attention. Um, and it, it, um, it, you can mitigate that impact through evaluation analysis you know scoping out identifying but then you have to make a decision you the choices must be made prioritizations have to happen and then once you've analyzed and decided then you have to act you got to do something and if you go with those three steps and like you said constant improvement, constant, you know, adjustment. You're not always, if you're facing the wrong way, you got to change direction. And so it, it's a, it's a continual process. It's not a singular event. And if, but if you keep at it and you're identifying what are some potentially big risk or opportunity factors, you will avoid crisis by being prepared. And, but the first step is to be aware of issues. And I think that's what we're trying to bring to our listeners is an awareness of issues. It's a thought process and it's getting people started down the path to avoid crisis. So let me jump into something like right off the bat here, um, because it's been bothering me a bit. Um, we talked in an earlier podcast about the uh, FDIC and the guarantee. And there's been a lot of, you know, we heard Congress, you know, bring in regulators and, saying, hey, what happened? Um, one thing about the guarantee is we know the 250000 limit. Now, if you were you know, with a spouse, that goes up to five hundred. But there's a lot of people right. out there that have uninsured deposits. And if you look across the entire country at the uninsured deposit level, what I'm wondering about is, you know, we, we heard, hey, everything is guaranteed. But what would it take if you did guarantee everything how much of the gdp would that represent and then what would that do to the u.s if in fact everyone took their money out of the bank and in fact the government guarantee it? what would happen to the u.s what would happen to the dollar what would happen to the world if that happened because i mean the, the question is really directed at financial stability which we are now being told you know what these are one-off events um SVB, Signature Bank, these are all contained at this point, right? We are seeing that the market thinks that mm -hmm. maybe it's, uh, you know, go ahead now. Um, maybe, uh, you know, the Fed is going to start to pause, maybe even 
lower rates. But think about just from a guarantee standpoint, what ends up happening to the citizens of the U.S. if, in fact, there was, we don't even have to go to 100%, but just that there was like, say, 25% of the banks went through a similar experience of like a run. What would end up happening? And you're getting the backstop of the government. What's going to happen overall? Just a thought. So what you're driving at here in Fed speak is M1, M2, M3, right? Where M1 is the the sum of all the currency held in the pub held by the public. Um, now, part of the fundamental assumption of our banking system is that not everyone is going to want all their cash out of their demand deposit accounts at the same time that there's going to be an ebb and flow, that some people are going to be pulling money out, but some people are going to be putting money in, and that you're going to have sure. this, you know, minor up and down. It's it, And it's a typical run on the bank, right? And if this happens, so if, if it happens at a single bank, we have singular problems. If it happens with a class of banks, you know, we, they talked about the regionals and 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 the, the community banks, that gets a little more of a, scale of a problem if it happens across the entire sector i think that that's nuclear that that's you know i mean the only way they're going to get around that is they better get those printing machines the printing presses humming 24 7 and on overtime and high speed they got to print a bunch of a bunch of benjamins um and then what are people going to do with this stuff i mean they're going to what stick it under the mattress they're going to leave it in a Storage units, what are they going to do with it? You know, they did something. If we look at the numbers, because we saw a lot of flight to the higher uh, capitalized banks. Um, okay. And that's just meaning not necessarily that they had higher capital uh, overall. It's just that they're a larger bank. But we saw out of regionals into um, the larger banks, a lot of flow. What okay. we did see, though, was one-to-one flow. We saw some money going into them, but money went elsewhere. Maybe it was uh, CDs. Maybe it was money market funds. Uh, maybe it was between the mattress. But what it shows is a lack of 100% confidence in the banking system and probably deservedly so, right? I mean, watch your balances. I mean, you should be doing that anyhow. But um, I don't know if you've ever had anything happen in your bank where you looked at something and said, oh, that's not right. I'm going to have to call the bank and something got into my account that didn't belong. I mean, we've heard about that happening to people, right? They get a deposit in their bank. They're like, oh, well, that's not anything I was expecting. And then they go spend it. And, you know, there's a point of, you know, there's this decision that got made, put you into a bad position, right? But it also goes back to the whole, you know, we should be monitoring the risk and we should be making decisions about what do you do with the uninsured deposit? Now, I know in the prior podcast, I mean, you were saying, look, it's been too long since the FDIC raised, and it's time to do it again. Um, maybe, why not double it? 500 per individual, a million for, um, you know, joint couples. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that they got to raise that look, limit. I, mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, our, our politicians have no problem spending money. Why don't we jump in there and tell them how to do it? You know, give us a more yeah. deposit insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah well, and FDIC is technically independent, right? It's not taxpayer funded. Yeah. Um, 
FDIC collects premiums from the participatory banks. Mm-hmm. And obviously the banks are out in our capitalist system to make a profit. So it's a cost to the bank. So that the bank has to turn that around, turn around and somehow extract that back out of the consumers, right? In higher yeah. fees, wider spreads on interest rates of what they pay versus what they charge, um, right. et cetera. So, you know, so they, they're going to they, get it from the, from the public, but right. it's not a tax, just not a tax technically. Yeah. Let's stay in the line of the FDIC who had the mandate to try to deal with these banks. What did we just have happen? We talked about last uh, podcast. We said, hey, this weekend, something's going to happen. Let's go ahead and update everyone on what did happen um, from the actions of the FDIC. Right. Right. Um, Well, we have buyers for Signature and SVB assets. Um, do they know what they got? I mean, what did they get? Right. And what is the, what is the, the value of that? You know, what, and, and value and what they paid are two different things, right? So yeah. they, they probably paid lower than true value because it's essentially a fire sale. Right. So, and theoretically you're supposed to get a deal when you do that kind of a thing. So, well, all right. Did, so the, did the FDA- did the FDIC get a deal, uh, at least with SVB? Isn't there an upside uh, kicker that went along with the deal? Um, not. I'm not aware. I haven't dug through okay, those, that is. level there of is. details. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that, so, just, so, I was so just going to say, Alan, help me out here, man. <laughs> I okay. Think got, sure. No, yeah. no. So what happened is that, um, okay, we have this bank coming out of Raleigh who is one of two bidders. The other bidder says, I need a greater discount. FDIC says, you're not the number one deal. Uh, here's a bank that is. And on top of that, for kind of executing the sale, you know, I think about it, if, you, if you go through a big M&A, there's a banker there somewhere who's going to get a fee, right? So yeah. the FDIC is like, look, we're putting this all together. Um, if it turns out that, you know, the discount was too much or whatever, we should get a little bit back, you know, sweeten the pot for us. And I'm like, well, hey, what about those uh, equity holders who are basically taking down zero? They're not getting any of that piece of uh, the upside, whatever that is. And especially if we look back at this and go, all right, what if as this whole SVB bank run, if we want to call it that, and maybe there's other reasons why it was triggered. Maybe it could have been triggered earlier. It, It was a risk, right? But what if before this really started to happen where there was this acceleration? Because remember, it was like news came out Wednesday, Thursday, a lot of people taking money out. People say, get your money out now. All of a sudden, it's breaking on the internet. You can't get any access to your funds. You don't know what's going on. And it's not until later that we get the guarantee of the uninsured deposits beyond the 250000 or the 500000 depending on what you were a single depositor or a joint deposit. So what ends up happening is they guarantee. What if they guaranteed, like, hey, on Wednesday, we've already been planning for this. We've already looked at this. We know that this bank was in an issue and we're prepared 100% to backstop and depositors. You don't have to run. We're going to figure it out. We're going to go ahead. We're going to put them up for sale, but we're not going to have this. Does potentially this change the whole, what we've seen? Because, you know, are we at the end or not? Because we're arguing, at least the market is arguing that, you know, it's a one-off. We've got to contain now. We're not going to see it again, uh, at least for a long time, because now we know. 
didn't we not know like back in 1900s that there could be a bank <laughs> run? You know, did we not know? Right. I mean, right, right, right. And and so again, what has uh, what has changed here is not the risk; it's the awareness of risk. And think about it from the point of a boring right. crisis. What are you going to do with your overall investments? What are you going to do with your cash if you happen to be fortunate enough to have more cash than the limits? You know, I mean, right. What are you going right. to do? Um, what you could do, and it'd be great if you were, is saying, you know, even though um, even though some people might think that this is a, a challenge to do, I'm going to go ahead and give away all of my uninsured deposits to worthy causes. That way I don't have to worry about losing that money. Somebody else will have it. They can put it to good use. Does that make sense? No. Does it make sense to, uh, you know, I'm, no on one answer. I, on another, yeah, you certainly should be donating to worthy causes. Okay. That's the yes. But the no is like, no, think about it from what else could you do with that money? Uh, if you're trying to avoid the crisis of losing your money in a financial institution that is insuring, what do you do with that excess money? Um, is there any planning strategies or is that part of, of what you need to be thinking about? Do I need a financial planner to avoid crisis? I mean, maybe that's a, something to be thinking about. Do, all, all great points. I, I want to hit on a couple things that you said in there, and that is um, – What's the difference between what happened, you know, decades ago, the, the, one of the first bank runs, you know, in the, in the, during the crash and all that, and other bank runs that have happened over time um, versus now? And honestly, it's technology. It's social media and it's smartphones. You can move millions of dollars with just a couple of punches on your phone wherever you're at. In the old days, you had to line up on the sidewalk outside the door of the bank. Remember, you know, good old, it's a wonderful life. You know, he was waiting for three o'clock when the thing, so he could close the store, doors right? and say, we're closed mm -hmm. for the, yeah, well, you know, we're closed for the day, hey, right? By the way, by the way, uh -huh. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and extend an invitation, not to cut you off here and, and to derail the conversation, but you just happened to mention Jimmy Stewart. And I got to say, I'm going to give you an invitation to go to the Jimmy Stewart Museum. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, you okay. probably didn't even know that there existed one. Um, you know, happy to have them, uh, you know, send us their materials. We certainly can, uh, you know, provide a, a link to their uh, to their location. A lot of people don't know that, you know, but it's a wonderful life, certainly, you know, that we're living in today as well. Meaning like some of that that you just said, that picture, think of that image. You have all these people lined up outside of the bank because they need to tell her. Okay, and you just talked about how things have changed. Talk about how technology has changed things. That teller is now electronic for many people. So instead, what you would have to do to represent this is you'd have to have a lineup of phones all over outside of this, you know, recipient of the electronic exchange. I mean, that's today's world. And if or, you think or, about it, there's this other whole set of electronic receivers which are the larger banks saying you want to uh, switch it out of here and put it over here. We can do that in a second. You don't have to sit there and be in line and wait to get to the teller. People can access multiple tellers. And so what you have is you have this rush to be the first one out. And if you are mm -hmm. effectively the good money that's left in the bank, right? Eventually runs out. Now they have nothing more to provide unless there's this new provision provision of cash, which in this case came from the FDIC, from the government, right? Ultimately, 
if this is the backstop, how's that going to get paid for? If the government's providing that, what exactly happens? You know, is it just a temporary thing? Does the bank pay it back? Do we need to have some kind of change in, in you know, regula- regulations and, you know, capital requirements? I mean, I'm sure by now it derailed me from, you know, throwing up a bunch of other things. So <laughs> take notes. Yeah, no, it's just, I, I, yeah, no, no. It, 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 they're, they're great points because it all affects what the FDIC and the Fed needs to do to avoid crisis, right? To, to give confidence in the market to not freak out and do stupid things. Um, part of it is, I think, raising the FDIC insurance limit. Um, the other part of it, I think, is that to put everyone on notice that, well, look, we're going to raise it, say, to 500000 But you need to maintain banking relationships with more than one bank. You want to you wanna somewhat limit your uninsured deposit exposure. In other words, the amount of deposits that are over the FDIC limit. You know, it's now incumbent upon the consumer. To, to take action, right? You've now been informed. Um, so there's a lot of adjustment that's going to happen and in behavior, um, and it's being driven, think, by technology. How's this thing going to run out or play out in the long run? Look, we had 15 years of essentially zero interest rates. They're now significantly higher than that. And they may even go up another quarter, half point or so, maybe a whole point before this is all said and done and they start dropping again. Who knows? Exactly. But the fact is, is that they're significantly greater than zero. So if you bought long-term bonds that are tied to these low interest rates or treasuries that are tied to these low interest rates, your face value, your fair market value is below your face value on these bonds. You have unrealized losses sitting on your balance sheet. And until you can you can wait for that to come to maturity, it'll kind of work its way out. But if you don't have that time, you're gonna have to rec- you're gonna have to sell and you have to recognize those losses. And so this is another reason why the Fed opened up that special program where you could go get you could the banks could go get money at at favorable rates and basically to almost like turning in their treasuries for current rate treasuries or something like that and and it, it it's all these things combined but i think you're one of the points that that you're kind of hitting on is that at the end of the day the regulators and the fed can do all they want about this stuff if we don't have public confidence and if the masses run on the system, this system will collapse. It was never designed for a system-wide run on the banks, plural, on every bank. So that's kind of my opinion on that is that we got to get people to understand how the heck this thing works. It's not like they take your money in your checking account and they have it sitting over in the corner. Oh yeah, this is this these are the twenties and hundreds and fifties that you came and deposited the other day, right? It doesn't right, work like right. that. And they're you know, exactly cash. these same ones. I, I got the serial numbers here. Could you give me those back? I know I gave it to you. You said it was yeah. gonna be safe. You're holding on to it. it. Here's my serial numbers. Please, can you just give me I, I want that five dollar bill with this because otherwise I don't know what you did with it. Give Speaking me my money back. Yeah, <laughs> my money back. 
Okay, let's speak to that. You, you made a really great point, and I want to go back to it because you, what you said, I, I think it's just really easy for our listeners to miss because you make comments um, that that are just really insightful, and it makes me think about something. So you said earlier in the podcast today, what did the buyer get? And so we're talking about Signature Bank, and we know that there were like issues with crypto there because they had a lot of investments there, right? And then with SVB, we knew that they were really involved in the innovation world. And now there is a perceived gap of the lender of choice right now. Perceived gap of who do you go if you're a startup? You know, where do you go? Yeah. Um, right. and who do you get help from? Right. And who do you get lending from? And, um, you know, there's only so much money that you can get from who you know, and maybe you need more. So you need a VC, you need a um, an angel investor, you need a loan, or you're giving out equity, whatever it is, in order to you know really be able to continue to develop the innovation path you're on, you need to have a source of funding. So in this right. purchase, in this purchase, what did um, the buyers get? And so one of the things I thought about was, well, what do we know? What's public information? So I started to look into the SEC filings, and I saw that there was a filing here um, from SIVB, which is um, the company here, um, SVB Financial Group, and it was SIVB. So this is um, including everything in SVB. And we don't know exactly how these assets were uh, structured. We haven't seen the details on the um, the equity appreciation rights that uh, go to the FDIC. We haven't seen a lot of these details. Maybe we will. Maybe it'll be kept out of the uh, public eye for a while, but eventually we'll get an idea of what's happened. But looking at this, this uh, SEC filing and just kind of going through and just trying to understand what is this entity and what, you know, what was involved, it seems kind of complex. And which one, which one, where, are we talking signature or SVB at this point? I'm, no, no, I'm talking about what, SVB. What, what, in, what entity? Okay, SVB. Okay, I just okay, want to be so, clear yeah, for us. So SIBB is, if you go to the um, www.sec.gov, you can go in and you can search on any company that's publicly traded, which SIBB was. So um, you can go in there and you can find their filings with the SEC. And right now we're at the annual period filing, which is called the 10K. So I went and looked at the 10K and I started to go looking through there and trying to understand just what is this company? And I was like, you know, people ask about fair value. So I just typed in up in the search box, fair value. 257 references in this to fair value. 257. Now, yeah. Um, you know, what, what is fair value? It's a tough question. You know, it really represents the price that a willing participant in the market would give you. What is the market we're in right now? And, and the thing is, is that, you know, financial statements are as, as of that point. Okay. Would you look at their indications of fair value the same way now that we know what they've gone through? It, it, we have this discount. So obviously the willing buyer needed to have some sort of incentive. But there was another thing that really kind of stuck out at me. And the reason why it stuck out was that it reminded me of something that I saw clear back in the financial crisis. In the financial crisis back in 2008, 
there was this whole question about fair value and how we should be marking um, instruments, financial instruments. And what was happening was that the way the financial rules were at the time is you had to look at the market as an observable price. So as it turned out, if, for example, um, you were seeing that the market prices were going down, 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 and you had to keep marketing to it, you know, having your marks go to that, you were going to continue to show that you had this unrealized loss that you talked about. Ultimately, what ended up happening was, I think you remember because um, you were there, whenever uh, Financial Executives International um, had me come and, and do a, a speech there, and I talked about FAS 157, how it was a troubled solution, how this, you know, marketing um, or this mark-to-market was really causing some issues when especially the, the banks or other uh, holders in financial institutions were going to hold to maturity, you know, and they were going to continue to hold. And why would it be that, like, for example, some other participant who could come in and just take the risk of, of selling first and having to buy later, uh, as an example, shorting, if they were continued to short, 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 you had to continue to mark, mark, mark going down, but was it real? And so that was, uh, you know, really a call for, you know, Congress to step up. But mm-hmm. in that whole process and doing some of the research, I found a footnote and this footnote reminded the Financial Accounting Standards Board, the FASB, who really set their mandate. And it was like, hey, if you guys aren't getting the accounting rules right, we don't have to call you guys the FASB anymore. We don't have to rely on you anymore. Now, we have international financial standards, right? Uh, We have U.S. GAAP that we call it, you know, generally accepted accounting principles here in, in the U.S., but you think about that saying that sometimes these rules that are out there lead to unintended consequences. We also have the we have the um, entire SEC requirements, and the SEC requirements tell you you have to have fair value. It doesn't say you have to go and just create one footnote and say, here's how we do fair value across the board, because, you know, there are things like the fair value option. I know this is getting a little bit too detailed, but you could take a loan, for example, and elect the fair value option. Potentially you might have, you know, amortized cost on it, but anyhow, taking a look at this, I looked at their, their, uh, 10 K this is, you know, SVB. And I think if, you know, if your page count is the same as mine and you go out to, I think it's here, Page seventy nine. Page seventy nine of, of, of what of the, of the 10K. No, uh, of the ten K. How, how many total, right? So the people can know that they're looking uh, at the same seventy nine of no, how I many? Got, Does it say total page count there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. Um, I got one hundred eighty one. So okay, you know, so it's page, somewhere page seventy page yeah, yeah, so of one eighty one on the okay. on SVB's ten K. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can do the math. So go look. <laughs> okay, so reading a footnote. This is great stuff. I love it. Okay, so it's a, let, let me tell you what this is about. This is about derivatives, okay? Right, it's okay. derivatives. Okay, so you know what a derivative is. It's just yep. an underlying of something else. Like, you want to bet right. on a little big game? I mean, I learned about derivatives when I went to Las Vegas, you know? So, um, <laughs> I, you know, the, the answer was I have the opportunity, and it's a binary option. I put a, I put a you know, dollar in the slot. And Las Vegas keeps it. I learned that the binary option was your return to zero. Okay, so I got that. 
So, but a derivative yeah. is just basically <laughs> saying that its value will change based on the outcome of something else or the movement of something else. Very, very complex area, uh, you know, in the accounting guidance. And people love topic 815. They they talk about it all the time. You know, I don't don't know. You're out in the public. You hear people talking about it all the time. You know, topic 815 derivatives, right? Everywhere. You don't. don't, Right. So, So here's the thing. There's this little footnote. So the, the derivatives talks about assets, and in those assets, it has equity warrant assets, contingent conversion rates, foreign exchange contracts, total return swaps, client interest rate derivatives, interest rate swaps, comes up to a total total gross derivative assets, and then it subtracts netting adjustments. It has this little footnote there, one. Netting adjustments. Okay, so here's the so footnote. You, at some point, read, quote, give us a give us a give us a quote end quote and then a, a, an explanation. Okay, here. So what's right. the quote end so, quote and then the explanation? So it says less netting adjustments, and then it has uh, the parenthetical reference of number one. When so I go to number one, and here I'm going to read it, and I'm going to start with quote and end quote. Quote during the third quarter of 2022. We changed our accounting policy to report the fair values of our derivative assets and liabilities subject to ISDA, which is called ISDA. So subject to ISDA master netting arrangements on a net basis where a right of setoff exists, period. The net derivative fair values have been further adjusted for cash collateral received slash pledged. The change in accounting policy was applied retrospectively and prior periods have been revised to conform with current period presentation. End quote. So that says that there's a retrospective adjustment. Yeah. I find that interesting because I don't know what it was. I don't know what it means. Uh I'd like more information. If I'm in the seat of the SEC, who's in the middle of an investigation right now, I'd be like, tell us about derivatives. What are they? What is, uh, what's this right of set off all about? Because they have a footnote here. I just don't know what it is. But I was just pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, because right now, going back to what you're talking about, what is the buyer getting? They'll know over time because... They'll either get paid back on these items. They'll be exposed to additional risk. They absorb the risk. They'll potentially even have to give back because it turns out to be a good deal, which it could be. It's just a matter of when you get into these situations with such a large organization with such high values of assets and liabilities, how do you, how do you go about it? You know, and especially whenever, you know, you look at some of these things and you go, you know, what is a contingent conversion rate? You know, just, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, is, does that allow me? Am I allowed to? Get yeah, that, you know? Go ahead. That, that retroactive adjustment with regard to fair value accounting, boy, that just leaves so much opportunity for manipulation. Right. So I, I think that is definitely an area worth digging into. We, we, no doubt, to your point, we're going to hear more about this over time. Um, and it's and, and there's just a bunch of stuff like this when you as you know, it's like CSI going to the crime scene. They got to look at all the evidence, you know, and they're going to and they're going to piece together the story of what, you know, theoretically actually happened. And and uh, 
but it's going to take time, right? And it's stuff like this, like this footnote, where they're going to take a thread and start pulling on it. You never know what's going to where it's going to lead you to. Um, but you, you, earlier in 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 your last segment, there, it, it, you raised a point about. Um, where are a lot of these companies going to go now? Uh, and, and, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they, they, they cater to and primarily work with uh, startup companies, technology companies, um, biotech, um, you know, fintech, um, uh, a lot of clean energy stuff. I mean, a lot of cutting edge, uh, innovative uh, companies and ideas and technologies. And now that we're in a rising interest rate environment, now that the uh, it's harder to borrow money, it's harder to get money. Money is more expensive. When money's basically free or very cheap, it's easy to throw it around. So there were companies that were getting funded that maybe should not have been getting funded mm-hmm. in that zero interest rate environment. But now are we entering a phase where we're going to go the other direction. And the pendulum always swings. Right? It always goes a little too far, then it has to come back. And a little too far the other way, then it has to come back. And are we now going to swing the other direction to where there actually are companies that had good technology, good innovations that are not going to get funded? And and their and their their technology is not going to see the light of day. And um, we're going to have an air bubble essentially going through our economy of innovation for the next say 12 to 18 months while money is going to be really tight. And what's that going to mean three to five years from now on the, in the global economy, but also with the U S relative to the global economy. Right. So we got it. We got some issues sure. coming up that are, that are going to be derived, you know, uh, uh, I don't say derivative risk. I, I mean, not in the technical sense, consequential. But, yeah. I mean, like we talked before market. tentacles, right. We expressed that it yeah. was like tentacles, like it starts here and it kind of reaches out because I don't think that we've fully seen the impact of FTX as an example, people paid that money. Um, let's just assume that everybody didn't really need that money, that they were so wealthy that if they lost 85 million, well, they had, you know, 200 million that they could easily, you know, back them up beyond that. So it was just, you know, not as material to them as maybe it would be to, you know, a, a company that depended on that as their lifeline to survive. But think about that. If that money was lost, where did it go? Who made the money? You know, was there somebody on the other side of that? Because if you think about it, if I bought it for this, there's somebody that sold it, right? I mean, the risk changed somewhere. So is it just, oh, you know, where did it go? I don't know. I mean, that that's one to watch, you know, FTX. I don't think that all the ripple through the system is, is done there. I don't think all the ripple through the system relating to these bank sales and their assets is done. Now, where is it going to pop up or what's the other impact? I mean, we're getting the comfort. And I think we talked about this earlier about, isn't this the, uh, the playbook? First of all, it happens. The government jumps in and says, it's okay. Now we figured out what's wrong. Um, yep. We're, uh, we're all good now. Let's go forward. But I mean, we saw very shortly after FDX, SBB and uh, Signature Bank that Credit Suisse, who'd been around for a long time, all of a sudden goes, yes, right? And how does that happen? It'd been troubled for a long time, but there was fear and the contagion risk was there and there's fear around the world. And, you know, where else is it going to pop up? Yep. 
No, it's it. There's a lot of ripple effect, and I think um, time will flush this out. These these timing differences in rising interest rate environment. Um, I think people have to be patient. It's going to be tough. We're going to we're we're going to ent- we're entering recession. Um, people are already pulling back. We talked about companies not getting funded, um, and that translates into real jobs, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, th- there are some rough waters coming up. Right. So, and yeah. so to avoid crisis, yeah. be aware, be aware of that right. in how you manage your balance sheet. Right. You, 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 mm-hmm. you, you should you should be uh, monitoring your cash very carefully, cutting back mm-hmm. on some spending, conserving cash um, and and o- only funding those opportunities that are bringing you maximum return at this point, um, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, to get through the to get through the. The, the the recessionary uh, crisis yeah. that's going to be coming up. Um, it, it it reminded me of another topic. Can we can we can we pivot here and go to yeah, a, yeah. go to a next sure. one? Yeah, um, segue. <clears throat> segue. So we had uh, uh, talked earlier also about um, <laughs> how people have the have the crisis when it comes to tax time. Right? Oh my God! I oh, got to yeah. file my I got to file my tax returns. Right, I got to right. get all my stuff together. You know, it's just the right. once a year fire drill, and and then it's also paying your taxes. Right? It's the cash flow right. related to that. Well, I think it's worth, uh, and we're gonna hopefully we get this posted up real soon here within a week. Yeah. We, we got a call later today with our production yeah. company, um, right. but uh, uh, the IRS is as in, in response to the floods, mudslides, rain. California got hammered yeah. here since yeah. January, honestly. Sure. Um, and uh, so FEMA declared federal disaster zones for a number of counties in California, and the list kept growing. Uh, the recent mm-hmm. count is 44 counties in California. And I think there's like 52 or 53 total counties in mm-hmm. California. Yeah. So the majority of California, and it's all the big ones, a lot of the coastal ones and so on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, federal disaster zones. So immediately behind that, that's FEMA does that. Right behind that, Department of Treasury, the internal, Re- and then within that, the Internal Revenue Service announced that within those 44 counties, all taxpayers get an automatic extension of time to pay and file their taxes from April 15th to May 15th. And then the Wayne kept coming. And the problems kept happening and more counties got added. And they finally, just a couple few weeks ago, announced, all right, all taxpayers in all of these 44 counties, not May 15th, it's now October 16th is the deadline. Mm -hmm. So any deadline that you had to pay or file income taxes, all types of taxpayers, and you're in one of these 44 counties in California, you now have until October 16th. What does that include? January 15th was the deadline for the fourth quarter 2022 estimated payment. That's pushed off to October. April 15th, that's the deadline to file and pay for 2022 or an extension. Or, I'm sorry, and to pay your 2023 first quarter estimated payment. Deadline's now October 16th. June 15th, 
That's your second quarter 2023 estimated payment. That's not due June 15th anymore. That's due October 16th. And then September 15th is the third quarter estimated payment that would normally be due September 15th. That's now due October 16th. So you're going to have almost like a year's and no penalties or interest if you wait till that deadline. So, you know, um, it's great. It gives us more time. Don't squander that time. Still get your documents together. Get your, you know, you should you should still pencil out your return. Have an idea of what this number is going to be, so you have visibility. Now we get to start talking about well, what are you going to do with the cash flow, right? And again, this just presents opportunity. So, um, uh, what what would you advise to our listeners who find themselves in this situation now, where they've got essentially a year's worth of tax deadlines? pushed out to October 16th, uh, roughly uh, more than, you know, six months well, away. You know, I mean, uh, first of all, um, going back to what we talked about before with a financial planner, a financial planner would be a really good person to talk to. And uh, what yeah. they would say most likely is they'd say, you've got to make sure that you have this amount available. How are you going to guarantee that you're not going to go spend it um, somewhere else because you think that's more important than you're thinking, well, when the time comes for me to pay this, I can. I think you have to look at it like it's an opportunity, but you have to look at it as though it's spent money. You might be able to go and perhaps like put it into a you know a good financially stable um, investment, like maybe a CD, um, making sure that you have the deposit uh, insured, etc. You know, the, so whatever that is. But yeah, I mean, the, there might be some opportunities for return. So, um, you know, we're, we're coming up here in the time. There was one other thing I wanted to do. We had talked about this before um, where we were going to potentially go through a process of on every podcast, invite potential guests, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I've come up with three. I don't know if you have any. If you don't, I can go ahead and just go with what I've got. And what we're going to do is in our little, you know, website, whatever, once it's up, We'll have who was invited, and then we're going to use our marketing strategy for them to be able to join, right? So we'll just kind of continue with our, and we'll talk about this in, in the next podcast, I think, but we'll talk about that well-defined marketing strategy we have, which uh, some people call it word of mouth. But anyhow, we're, uh, we're really focused on trying to get people who can come in and really add something to the topic and talk about avoiding crisis. So I'm going to give you my three people that I'm inviting to the podcast. And we don't have to say why, but I'm just going to tell you who they are, okay? Number one, Sharon Stone. Number two, Spencer Lee. And number three, a guy named Shaq. Shaquille. Okay? Shaquille O'Neal. Wow, what a, what, a, what, a diverse, what a diverse list. Okay. Um, so do, do, we, do I get to ask any questions? No, like, uh -uh. no, they're like, just no. on the list because okay. you know, right, I mean, they, you know, like, right. like they don't have to like. I mean, they can contact us. We're happy to share with like where we're going on this, right? Sure, sure. All right, but there, but there's something, there's something that's tied to avoid crisis, or they wouldn't be invited, right? Why, why would you invite right. them when we're not? Yeah. Right. Okay, so right. do you have right. any? Um, yeah, I put it at the top of my list. Um, I would, I would put uh, Warren Buffett. Oh, good. Um, well, uh, you know, yeah. he, he, 
he's uh, the Oracle of Omaha, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, looking for investment opportunities always. And uh, um, obviously hugely successful at what, what he's been doing for, for many, for many years. Um, uh, I would try to find someone in the, in the, in the, technology space i haven't figured out who this person is yet um because it has to be okay, someone so you, that, I, gotta, that i respect yeah, you, you know what if you if you don't have the names you know it just takes too much time so next time yeah. come in with your names I'll, I'll let you do a carryover yeah. a rollover you know yeah. all all right. Right. we'll all call right. it just right. like a 401k rollovers we can talk about that sometime but okay let's do okay. a rollover okay so um here's here's here, here's my second one though. I, I do. Right. I want. I want someone yeah, from the investment world. I want someone from the technology world, right. and I wanted someone from like the banking world. So I'm on the banking oh. world. I'm going to say Jamie Jamie Diamond. Okay. Well, you know. Um, so we're going to have to get those invites posted. But once again, Ray, I I can't believe that we're at the end of another podcast. It just seems to go by so fast. Um, let's work on the music part. Okay. We're going to work on the music part. Yeah, let's get some um, advisors here. <laughs> right, right. And we're, we're, we'll get some tech, tech, tech support here. Um, I, I do want to throw out, though, um, that Avoid Crisis is intended to expand beyond just financial. We talk a lot about financial topics. It tends to be our background. It's also what finally inspired us to get off our butts and actually start to try to do something here. Um, but it, again, it, 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 it reaches beyond just financial to financial markets and business and and it could be personal finance it could be other personal matters like trust in the state it could be things like elder care um you know with the aging parents that it's happening a lot to a lot of people um we could talk about health care in general we could talk about um climate so many hey, things you know what right? we've got a lot to talk about and all in our next podcast, we can start talking about that because right now I've got to go. Um, all um, right. So, so we want, we want, we want listeners to hit us with ideas and right? we want our listeners to invite their friends to listen in. That's right. You know, we're okay. going to go with that because eventually someone who knows someone who knows someone will eventually be able to invite those people or let them know they're invited and they'll come on the show. All right. Sounds great. Thanks again, Ray. All right. Thank you, Alan. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Okay.